Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today we are touching on a very sensitive topic, but it was so important for me to address this because I feel like miscarriage as a whole is diminished. And so I invited my sister-in-law, Desiree, (laughs) to come and chat with us. Desiree will tell you her own story, but she has struggled through miscarriage. And so I not only want to speak to the mamas who may have recently gone through this or who have gone through this in the past and are struggling to overcome or like cope with the struggles that they're facing, but also to women and men who may not fully understand it and who may not have a compassionate perspective or gracious understanding of the situation because I, in my experience, I've never had a miscarriage, but in my experience in speaking with people, sometimes they just don't get it and feel very disconnected because baby isn't here and therefore it's not that big of a deal. So did you have that experience? Did you feel at any point like people disregarded it as not important? Yes, I, I did. I, um, and we'd get a lot of comments too, like, well, at least you won't gain weight or I'm sure you'll have more kids in the future. That one was really hard because it's like, what if I don't, I don't because of this, especially with my situation. Um, so yeah, it, it was hard. Yeah. So you felt like maybe there were people who just tried to give like a temporary bandaid on it rather than maybe sitting with you. Like what would have helped you in those moments when you were talking about it? You know what? I think the biggest thing that helped me is when someone was like, how are you feeling? Yeah. Just, you know, just asking me how I'm feeling instead of trying to give me advice and saying, Hey, I'm sorry you're going through this, but at least this or that, you know, um, just being an ear, that's the biggest thing I think yeah. with, with any loss Struggle, in yeah. general is just, you know, being there for them. Yeah. So I just want you to tell your story if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to begin just by talking a little bit about babies. So I know that this may be a controversial topic for some, but I believe that a baby is a baby at conception. Jeremiah 1.5 says, and this is God speaking, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That is saying in the foreknowledge of God, we each, like Jeremiah, have an identity and a purpose in the creator's mind. We were just talking about before we started the episode that the heart rate is found at, what did we say? 22 days. 22 days after conception. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you usually don't even find out you're pregnant until a week six weeks or in. seven. Yeah. yeah. And so your baby, a baby, has skin after just eight weeks fingernails and toenails by week 11, skin 
the baby has skin between week five and week eight. And so obviously we're not going to jump too far into this, but I just encourage if you haven't seen the movie Unplanned on, I think it's on Netflix or Amazon. It's such a great movie. If you have any questions about babies and when they become babies and what abortion looks like, I just want to touch on that a little bit. And I'm sure I'll have an episode on that in the future. But today we're going to talk about miscarriage. And so I say that because Desiree's babies were babies when she lost them. And one thing that you all don't know is that we were actually pregnant at the same time. I was pregnant with Sutton and Desiree was pregnant and Mm -hmm. Desiree lost her baby. Okay. So tell your story, how many miscarriages, what your experience has been. Okay. So I've had three miscarriages. I am RH negative blood type which means I lack proteins in my blood. Um, So anybody that's negative has that, which is normally, you know, okay. You normally don't have any issues. Um, And there's only 15% of us in the world, Wow, which is really crazy. Yeah. Uh, So RH negative blood types don't have a marker like positive blood types do. So when it mixes with positive, your immune system will react uh, to the RH factor uh, by making what's called antibodies. So David has a positive, her husband, David, has a positive blood type. Yes, my husband's positive and I am negative, uh, which don't mix very well together (laughs) uh, for pregnancy. But And it's crazy how when you talk about that, but having experienced and walked through it with you, like it is so traumatic because there's so much that goes into it, which you'll talk about. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I always tell my kids to try to think about how it really is. They're like these little soldiers in your blood Mm -hmm. that destroy anything that's foreign that comes in contact with my body. And so I guess it's a good thing because if anything really comes in contact with my body, my body will try to fight it off right away. Uh, But for pregnancy, not so much. Yeah. Um, So what happens is you're supposed to get what's called a Rogam shot at, I think, 22 to 26 weeks in your pregnancy. And then you're supposed to give it 72 hours after you deliver. Uh, And so in my case, when I gave birth to my firstborn, they, I don't remember getting the shot, but so I can't say they did or didn't give it to me, but something happened where Mm. I either didn't get it or the shot didn't work work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I developed these antibodies in my blood. And you have, so Desiree has two boys. I do. So with a Caden, who is her oldest boy, was there a problem with that? No. Okay. Yeah. So it's after a Caden was born. So when I gave birth to a Caden, our blood's obviously mixed during labor. And so because he was positive, that's when we developed the antibodies. But we didn't know that we had the antibodies yet because you wouldn't find out until you had blood work done. Right. Which when I got pregnant with my second, which was a miscarriage, that's when we went in and they found through blood work, that's when we found out we had the antibodies. Okay. So your first miscarriage, what was that experience like for you? How did you respond? Oh, that first one was, I think it was so many emotions because we not only were going through a loss, but we found out that we had the antibodies and that we may not ever have a normal pregnancy again, you know? So it was just like, heavy. Everything hit us at Mm -hmm. one time. Um, and it was hard because that, I feel like that miscarriage was, I mean, all three, I've had three and that one, I mean, they've all been bad. Yeah. (laughs) They're not easy to go through. But the first was maybe more of a shock. The first one was more of a shock. And I was, I felt like I was in labor with that one. So Um, how, how old was baby when you so I thought I was 12 or 13 weeks, but when okay. we went in, cause I started bleeding, 
we found out that the fetus had passed at, I think, around eight weeks. Like, there was no heartbeat at eight weeks. Okay. Eight or nine weeks. So, basically, a lot of the time, miscarriages happen earlier on. Yours have been later on. Mm -hmm. But most miscarriages, about 10 to 15 in 100 pregnancies end in miscarriage, which is about 10 to 15%. And they usually happen before the 12th week, which is, for those of you who haven't had babies, why a lot of mamas wait until the 12 week mark to make sure that they announce. So, but yours were always close, right? They were mm-hmm. always really close to the 12 week. They were, yeah, my, the third and my last miscarriage was, I was 13, almost 14 weeks. Yeah. You said it felt like labor. So you yes. had to basically go through labor. I did. To have this baby. Mm-hmm. Where were you? I was at home. Um, so after our appointment, we, they said, go home, see what happens, like let your body naturally pass it. Yeah. And then come in and see if you need to have a DNC, which yeah. is where they scrape. And it's normally a surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. And so I passed it on my own. And was David home? He was, yeah. He stayed home from work. And it's just, it was very painful. I had contractions. It w- They would come and go. And I mean, I knew because I had my first, you know, I, I went through that. Mm-hmm. And I felt contractions before. Like I knew what they felt like. Yeah. And I kept crying. And I was like, Dave, I feel like I'm in labor. This is so sad because mm-hmm. I know that there's no heartbeat, mm-hmm. you know. And for me to have to do that on my own, it was just, it was devastating. To people who don't think your baby's a baby when you're doing that, what are your thoughts? Oh, it, it like hurts my heart because we heard the heartbeat. We had our first ultrasound and we Mm -hmm. saw, we saw our little peanut, you know, Mm -hmm. each miscarriage we saw. Yeah. And especially my third miscarriage, that one was awful because we went in and we saw baby moving. We Mm -hmm. heard the heartbeat, maybe an hour to two hours later, I had passed it. And that was, oh yes. I you were pregnant at the same time as Sutton. Yeah. I mean, my heart, it just aches. And I don't think I fully understood until I became a mom. It's, it is difficult because there's nothing, there's no way, there are no words to describe that feeling of seeing that baby on the ultrasound inside of your body. And you might think, I mean, there are people who are like, it's a fetus. It's fine. Try again. But what made you guys, because some people might be judgmental and say, well, you knew what was wrong with your body. Why would you risk that? Why would you keep trying to do that? You know, I think with us being Christians, we you know, fully rely on God. And with everything like the verse, Psalms 46, 10, mm-hmm. uh, that was like my life verse. Mm. It's be still and know that I'm God. Yeah. And he sees us through every trial. And a lot of people may think like, wow, that's kind of selfish of you mm-hmm. to try to have a child when you know that you might not go through full pregnancy. For what it's worth, I think it's absolutely not selfish, but yes, yeah. <laughs> I just want to make a disclaimer. Yeah. I don't know. With, with each miscarriage, I feel like I got closer and closer to God. I spent a lot of time in prayer, yeah. a lot of time in worship. I remember I would, even when I was, was pregnant with Titus. Who's your youngest Who's son? my young, yeah, my middle child now. We already knew we had the antibodies and... What happens is when you're RH negative, and we didn't find this out until we actually had Willow, that each time you get pregnant, when you are sensitized, which is, that's what it's called, is RH sensitization, mm-hmm. it your body will start fighting off the baby sooner and sooner. So with Titus, uh, we were able to make it to 34 weeks. So 
I had to go in every week yeah, I to, um, they check the blood flow through the brain and that's how they can see if your baby's becoming anemic or not. And we were lucky enough to get to 34, almost 35 weeks. And that's when they stopped doing blood transfusion. So they, what they would do is do an in utero blood transfusion, which we had plenty of those with Willow, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we were lucky enough not to have that with Titus. So I went in for a normal routine and I thought everything was fine. Like we were doing great. And all of a sudden all these doctors came in and they're like, you need to deliver within 72 hours. Mm. And it was just like, whoa, okay. Like we're doing this. So I had to get induced. And so we had him and he was in the NICU for I think 28 or 29 days. He had to have three blood transfusions to get all that blood out of him because my body, I mean, he still had that. He was still fighting for his life at that point. And it was just one of the most difficult things that we ever gone through. We had this baby, but we couldn't bring him home. Uh, Caden was, I think, two and a half at the time. And he was like, where's brother? Because we'd always talk about him. And it was so hard like to go through that. But at the same time, we were praising God because Mm -hmm. we had this beautiful life and he was fighting to stay alive. And if you know Titus, (laughs) he's a little fighter. He's a rambunctious little dude. He is. A quick interruption because I am so giddy and excited to tell you guys about this. I've been trying to think of better ways to connect with all of you on an individual personal level and I'm so excited to announce that I've created three new tiers on my Patreon account. The friendship thing, the coffee date thing, and the bestie thing. So for each tier on my Patreon account, which is patreon.com backslash living easy, I have given opportunities for all of us to connect in different ways. I'm going to be sending out my all-time favorite books list along with my favorite cold oats recipes. I'm giving access to the Living Easy with Lindsay Facebook page and the weekly application questions for each podcast episode. For the coffee date thing, I am doing a once a month Zoom chat which I'm so excited about. And so we will have coffee together. I'll ask and answer questions. You guys can ask and answer questions. And we will build a real life face-to-face friendship and can talk once a month about anything. For the bestie thing, I see you guys. And I want others to see you too. And so I'm going to be doing a listener spotlight with one pledger of the bestie thing each month. The person chosen can record a two-ish minute recording of yourself, sharing your story, your business, or how you live easy and I will play it on the air or if you prefer I will promote your social media account to my 40,000 plus followers so check out patreon.com backslash living easy to join the friendship thing the coffee date thing and the bestie thing I want to talk about the the guilt that moms put on themselves because I think one of the most common phrases that I've heard from some women is what's wrong with me What's wrong with my body? Why did God give this to me? Why is God allowing this in me? Did you, I guess I would ask first, did you feel that guilt when you would lose your babies? Did you ever feel guilt? I think with being a woman, I feel like our bodies are designed to have children. And so when you have this, even though it wasn't by choice, um, it's hard. Like you, you do, you think about, wow, like why, why me? My body is broken. Like I can't do the, one of the things that, you know, our bodies are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the guilt, remember like it being, I mean, if that wasn't an overbearing feeling for you, I think that's amazing. I feel like that's God's protection too, because 
I think one of Satan's biggest lies and strategies with women is you're not enough in kind of in everything, which we're not alone. We need Jesus, but you're not a good enough mom. You'll never be a mom. You'll, I mean, the lies that women hear, what did my body do to my baby can be so heartbreaking because you feel like I'm supposed to be able to do this. And so for women who have lost, I know friends who have lost babies post-birth, my sister actually passed away two days after birth because of a heart defect. So loss is real. So how would you say you and Dave grieved your losses? Like what did that look like from baby to baby? Yeah, I am lucky enough to have such a supportive husband Mm -hmm. um, because I know some girls that it almost broke their marriage because people grieve differently. Mm -hmm. We don't all grieve the same. Uh, Some wives could you know, really take it hard. And some husbands don't understand that, I think. And the loss of a child is one of the biggest causes of a divorce because usually it's like, if I were to lose my mom, my husband would come alongside me to grieve, but you're both grieving the loss of your child. Yeah. Yeah. It's your loss together. But like I said, he is such a supportive guy that I think we just, we would talk it out. Mm -hmm. I would always tell him how I'm feeling. And he, he was just there. Like I said, in the beginning, just having an ear for someone, you know, just to let all your everything out, you know, just to get it all out because building it inside of you. And like you said, like holding it in and thinking these thoughts of, wow, I'm a failure. Like Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, give my husband a child Mm -hmm. or like we can't build this family together. Um, They are real emotions and just prayer. Worship music was huge for me. I remember I was always listening to worship music. Did you ever find yourself angry at other people or women or envious or any negative emotions when you were going through that and you saw other people with babies and how did you process through that? Um, yeah, I think <laughs> my baby. Yeah. yeah. I, it wasn't I mean, that like... was, wait, okay. Can we say though, are you laugh? It's so sad. Des. Oh my I, gosh, I laugh. No, 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 I no. I have to laugh or else I will be bawling. I know, <laughs> but I will say, so Desiree announced her pregnancy and like what a day later we announced yeah. Sutton's pregnancy. We were so really we were, close together. we were like a couple days apart. So we celebrated together. I yeah, still have the we video. Were so we were like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. We're going to be pregnant together. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. I just, I was, I'm, a, I'm not normally like that type of person that I'm like, well, how come? Like, Why did it work out? For yeah, her? yeah. I just, I'm not, but when you're going through that, especially for your gender reveal, mm-hmm. I remember I was, I think mm-hmm. in your friend's office and I was bawling. I was crying. I was like, I I'm so happy that. for them. But at the same time, I'm like, but I'd be finding out the gender, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was oh, really that hard, so but I was so happy for you. Like yeah. I it was your first, I yeah. had my baby, you mm-hmm. know? So it's not, but that doesn't diminish the pain of it yeah, either. It and it is, it's like, I think there were a lot of moments for me even when I was like so sensitive to being excited because I didn't, I mean, it's hard. Like, how do you explain this away? You can't. Like, God intends good for us, and Satan intends evil. And so there is evil. But, I mean, I I think there are many moments where it can cause this bitterness in our heart. So maybe for women who are struggling with that, like, resentment or bitterness toward friends who are announcing pregnancies and they either can't get pregnant or they're miscarrying, what would you say? Like, how did you cope? 
to be honest, I think I just had to get through it. Yeah. I, I'm kind of maybe a weird person. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just, I grieve and go through things maybe differently. No, I just, I don't remember. I just remember that specific yeah. instant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember ever seeing anybody else and saying, like, why? Yeah. Is this go? Why am I going through this? Yeah. And I don't know if it's just the Lord that maybe I would have been a complete mess. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was just always on my heart saying, be still. Yeah. And no, yeah. I have a future for you. You know, don't worry about the past and just keep going forward. And it comes to a point where you just say, I don't have control over this. And as women, yeah. we like control a lot of the time. And so we want to fix it. We want to fix why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my baby? Fix it, fix it, fix it. And it's something that we're really completely helpless over if that were to happen. And so, and again, like I said, I've had so many friends who've walked through this. I've had friends who've walked through infertility Mm -hmm. and it is, I mean, it's an uphill battle, you guys. And so anyone who's listening today, who's struggling with that, who maybe just had a miscarriage or who's been battling infertility for years, I just want to encourage you that there is in no place where God doesn't see you, that he knows the hairs on your head. He knows the desires of your heart. And it is not that he is withholding from you. And there is no answer. I mean, realistically, there's no answer, but to remember that he sees you and to not turn your back on him because you don't understand and the timing may not be right or the evil of our bodies and the curse that's on us. But realistically, having that perspective that God wants good for you. And sometimes it just hurts, but that you can be sanctified through the pain and what you have felt. And you can now, like Desiree is doing, comfort others the way that God has comforted you in that pain. Yeah. I have a verse that I want to add. So James 1, 2 says, count it all joy when you fall onto various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So when you go through these trials, you will be made complete. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I that verse always stuck in my head. I'm like, you know what? I'm going through this. I'm going to get through it. I don't like to say I'm going through this for a reason, but he's going to make it complete. We're going to be okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so good. So when you walked through that with the Lord and you came out of it, I like that you said, I don't say this happens for a reason because I don't really think there is a reason. Right. You know, I don't think God says, I'm going mean, to yeah. use this. He just does use this. Right. Um, but in those moments when you were seeing Jesus, like how did your relationship with him strengthen after it? And what gave you the courage to try again, to get pregnant again? Yeah. Um, so I was fearful uh, trying again, but yeah. we didn't really say, okay, we're going to try again. I know with the last two miscarriages, we at a point said, we're done. Yeah. I remember those conversations. Like we're never, I think after the second one, you were like, I'm never doing this again. I'm heartbroken. I can't because that your second one happened at 13, almost almost 14. 14. Yeah. 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 That one was very difficult. Like I said, we went in and we saw the baby. We saw the heart rate. They're like, it's a great heart rate. Uh, I was like, well, I don't know why I'm in pain. And they said, maybe it's just, you know, your body's going through a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And they sent us home. And so we decided to go out to eat. And um, I remember, I'm like, Dave, there, I think something's coming. Like, I feel it. And so I rushed to the bathroom. And it was a really dark bathroom, I remember. And I just thought at the time it was a clot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, didn't think anything of it because 
the doctor said I was fine, you know? And so we went home and the pains got worse and worse and more clots. And I was just like, there's something wrong. Like there's no way I've had two other miscarriages. I know this, Mm -hmm. this isn't right. So we went in the next day and the fetus wasn't there. Yeah. And so, um, what did you feel in that moment? I felt like, I think every emotion in the book, because I was like, wow, I, at the time I just started bawling and I told Dave, I flushed our child down the toilet. Mm -hmm. Like it was awful because Mm -hmm. with the first, I kept the fetus Mm -hmm. we even planted a tree and um, yeah, we buried it. And um, the second one was not like that. I was in ER and they were scraping me every hour and it was awful. Uh, I mean, just miscarriage in itself is just not an easy thing to go through. And a lot of women have to have it, which what is called a DNC. Mm-hmm. And that's a surgical procedure where they put you under and they scrape. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, wow, like, am I having a DNC right now? Like in the ER without being put under? Cause mm-hmm. they would, and it was a, a man doctor and he just went in there and it was awful. My mom told me about after she delivered. So my sister's name would have was Amy May. She would have been older than me. But one thing that she said was, after she delivered, nobody like in that time, I guess, warned her of the after effects. And she said she remembers specifically going home. And I have a friend, a very dear friend who lost her baby mm-hmm. um, around the same time. I can't ever talk about this one. But and so and they both had to deal with like the nursing, you know, because you're still going to get milk even though baby's gone and you are mm-hmm. constantly reminded I have milk for my baby, but I don't have my baby. And I just remember my mom saying like, I had to wrap myself so tightly because of that milk and I just wanted it gone. Like I didn't want to be reminded that I couldn't feed my baby. And my friend Mm -hmm. said the same thing. And with miscarriages, I mean, there are a lot of similar things because you're in a place where you're like, oh, now I need to lose weight after being pregnant with this baby and my body has to readjust. And every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded of this. Yeah. You're actually kind of have like postpartum Yeah, in a sense. It's yeah. not as traumatic sometimes, but you really do. Like you still have the pains. You still have the bleeding. You're still, yeah. still going through it days, weeks after. I'm thankful because I feel like the Lord has given me compassion more so because I remember when you had your first one. And I specifically remember Catherine, our mother-in-law, who is just a dream. She's amazing. But I remember talking to her and just asking her, like, did you talk to Des or how is Des doing? And it wasn't that I didn't care. It was just I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like, how is she? You know, is she good? Like, is she going to try again? And it was really nonchalant. And it, like, makes me cringe when I think about it because I didn't get it. And she, I remember, was like just started crying and was like, I went through that and nobody was there for me. Yeah. Nobody. They just said like, Oh, well, yeah. you know, just try again or whatever well, it might at least be. You don't gain weight. Like, yeah. What? Really? Yeah. It's so insensitive. And yeah. so I think that's my encouragement is if you have friends who've walked through this, even if you may not understand because you've never seen that little movement on the ultrasound or felt the flutter in your belly or mm-hmm. heard that heartbeat, like there's nothing in the world like that. Yeah. Um, And I pray that every woman who wants to experience that, especially those listening, gets the opportunity to. But if you have friends who've gone through it, that you will just have that compassion. 
and just be that ear like Des is saying just sit next to them and you don't need to say anything don't say anything yeah don't just be there yeah ask how they're feeling yeah and love them and just remember that they're reminded of it constantly yeah Yeah, because it's a loss but I feel like it's more than a loss because you're the minute you find out you're pregnant you think about, oh my gosh, is it a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. Like, who are they going to be? Mm-hmm. What are they going to become? What their personality is going to be like. You honestly think that the minute you find out you're pregnant. Yeah. And you start planning. Right when you find out you're pregnant, you're excited. Especially when you get engaged. You start planning your wedding. It's yeah. the same thing with yeah, true. being a mother. And so when that gets taken from you, that all goes away. And so I always say I have three little babies in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Did you ever name them? Or was it too mm-hmm. early? Yeah, no. It was it was too early. Um, I think if we would have found out if it was a boy or a girl with them, we would have named them. But we did name the tree Cameron, the first oh. one, because it could have been either. The tree that you buried the yeah, baby we, under. Yeah, we buried the first one. Okay, so now Willow. Okay, so Willow comes <laughs> seven years after your youngest because you had – after Titus. Yes. Because you had two miscarriages after Titus. Yeah. So now Willow is seven years apart from – her youngest and she is the sweetest cutest most delicious little thing in the world so talk a little bit about what that process was from I mean deciding when you were ready and what the pregnancy was like with our situation we did a lot of testing um and so there's times where you when you're rh negative and your spouse is rh positive they'll do you know research and stuff and in our case we have a 50 50 chance of it being my blood type And if it was my blood type, my body wouldn't fight it off. It would think it was normal to be there. So I always had it in my mind. I have a 50-50 chance. Like, what if it's my blood type? And all six pregnancies of my pregnancies have been positive. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you have some strong genes. Which which they do. The Maestas family, (laughs) our husbands, they have strong genes. But that's so sad because I I remember – our text messages and it's like, right. hey, we don't have control. We don't. Like, yeah. We don't. But we got pregnant, which we never really decided. Mm. I think I told my husband, let's just try one month. Let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And if the Lord wants us to have another one, then he'll provide. Mm-hmm. And we did. And we got pregnant right away. And so I remember when I found out, I took the pregnancy test and David travels for his work Mm -hmm. a lot and he was gone. So I FaceTimed him and we took the test together and I actually did a video on it. And it was just, it was a lot of emotions because of my situation. Um, I was super excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, Mm -hmm. because it's been seven years, you know? Uh, So you just kind of, I don't want to say forget, but you just, you get excited but then again, you think, wow, we're, we might go through the same thing again, you know, and that was so difficult with Titus being in the hospital and mm-hmm. all that. So we find out, we did blood work and we found out that she was positive, RH positive. And I remember in that moment, I was like, okay, Lord, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Like we're fully relying on you because we don't know what's going to happen. And so I remember going in for an ultrasound and I think at 18 weeks, they don't even check to see if your baby's anemic until 18 weeks. And so with my case, I'm very high risk. Yeah. So I was getting seen every week from the moment I found out I was pregnant 
And so at 18 weeks, we found out that she was anemic. Uh, and I remember the specialist was talking to us and he's like, he seemed very concerned because yeah. a lot of times people don't see this situation because it doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. You get the Rogam shot and you're fine. You are normal, you know, and not in my case. So he's like, we don't do in utero blood transfusions here in Albuquerque. And we're like, okay, so what do we do? And so that's when he sent us to Phoenix to get the in utero blood transfusions. And not just one time, <sighs> no. but they traveled from Albuquerque to Phoenix, which is about six and a half hours. Mm -hmm. How many times? Oh my goodness. It was every two weeks, every one to two weeks at first. And then our doctor, our specialist doctor, you know, so I just want to say it was all God because you either get sent to Phoenix, Houston, or Denver. And mm. Denver and Houston are number one. Oh, wow. And we chose to go to Phoenix because we have family and friends there. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like, well, if anything, if this is going to be super expensive, we have yeah. family and friends that we could stay with. And they were kind of hesitant to send us to Phoenix because they don't do the procedure very often. So when we get there, the chief of fetal medicine from New Jersey had just moved there. And he has done this procedure oh, countless times over there. Like yeah. he said, he's, he's done it a lot. So he's, we were in, we were in great hands and we're yeah. like, wow, God, this was all you because mm -hmm. literally two months before he wasn't there. Yeah. And so I, I just thought that was amazing. And we saw yeah. God work through this whole pregnancy. There mm -hmm. was countless times where we're like, wow, God, you're so good. Thank yeah. you. But yeah, we had, I think it was. Desiree, you had all over your stomach. Oh yeah. But like little holes from your shots. Yeah. So which this doesn't just go like into the skin. You're going through to a shot that goes through through me into the, to baby. the baby. Yeah. And so they had to which every time I say this people are like they cringe but they had to paralyze her because mm -hmm. if she moved for anything and they nicked something wrong, we could lose her. There was always that percentage that through every transfusion we could have lost her. And so she she's a stubborn one mm -hmm. we had to like poke her maybe three four times to get her paralyzed before they can actually do the transfusion and that's three to four pokes before they poke me for the transfusion so every time yeah. so i got poked i think we counted over 56 or 57 almost 60 times like that's a mama's love yeah i mean there's really no other way to describe it like to go through that kind of pain oh. and that kind of i mean everything that went into that yeah. And without even a second thought, though, you would never – you don't think about it. You're like, no. okay, this is what nope. we're going to do because nope, this don't. is a baby. This is a real, live baby yeah. who is now in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad, like, babies aren't viable until 24 weeks, which mm -hmm. is so sad. So I, w I remember telling the doctor, so if my baby died right now and I was 23 weeks pregnant, you wouldn't do anything to try to save it? Like, they're not viable? it's a heartbeat in there. Mm -hmm. Like you see the baby physically yeah. through ultrasound. Like how could you not fingernails and do any, yeah, try. And, yeah. And that was really sad. I remember, Oh my gosh, like if we lose her, there's nothing we can do. And so after 24 weeks, the transfusions got a little easier because knowing she's viable, she will most likely survive. She's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Easier. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's been a whirlwind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But she's here and yeah. she she had to be in the NICU for two weeks. Mm -hmm. She had to be in the NICU for two weeks. 
she had blood, a blood transfusion. She only had to have one. Titus had to have three. And I almost think Titus was almost more sick because he never had the in utero blood transfusion, and she did. And this was preventing time in the NICU pretty much. So that way you could just, yeah. She was and I remember having to get, yeah, I had to get steroid shots and it was a lot. You were so tough though. I don't even remember you complaining like one yeah. time, but I think that's the thing. And I, again, there's, these things don't happen for a reason, but God uses them. And I feel like it could have maybe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but been a little more difficult and frustrating had you not gone through those losses, had your pregnancies just one and two been easy. And then number three, you're like, are you kidding me? No. Yeah. Why is this happening? But you had this sense of gratitude for the blessing that you had been given in this baby because of your losses. Yeah, absolutely true. Yes. So I would just ask, is there anything that you would want to say to women who may have recently gone through this or, um, are just struggling right now with the loss of their little ones? Uh, keep the faith. I think that's the number one thing. Prayer. Yeah. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of times we, we hold it in. There's no shame. There's no shame yeah. at all. Like there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with your body. It's just, it's not your time. But I think just talk about it is the biggest thing. Yeah. And I want to add, because I did bring up abortion, I just want to touch on it briefly, that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And so if you have surrendered your life to the Lord, if you are um, pursuing him and asking for forgiveness in those things, there is no condemnation. And I think it's so important for us to remember, just like Des is saying, that talking about it is crucial not only to our health, but also to bringing light to something that is really devastating for a lot of women. I have friends who had abortions when they were in high school and in college, and it haunts them yeah. still. It's not not something that they hold maybe over themselves or don't forgive themselves for, but it's not something that is easy to get over from what they have told me. And so I just want to remind you that there's no shame and that talking about it brings light to it. And when we bring something to the light, Satan loses his power over it. And so you just pursue Jesus, share his word, share what he has taught you, the redemption that he has brought to the struggle that you had with your miscarriage and know that he puts his hand upon you and he sees you and he promises good for those who love him in Romans 8, 28 and are called according to his purpose. And so believe in that Mm -hmm. and don't allow shame to cover you like a blanket, but instead know that you are free from that. But like Des said, if you need to talk about it, talk about it because you can't just, I mean, that's not something I feel that is easy to maybe recover from without ever addressing it with the people that you love. Yeah. Find someone you trust and get that biblical counsel. Don't hold it in. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks thanks for coming on. I know this is, we were, Des was so nervous when she walked in. She was was like, I don't know. This is, but (laughs) I just don't really talk about it. Like I talk to friends and family that I'm close with, but I don't. But not so much in depth like this. Like it's. Yeah. And it's, it's different to actually, wow, like really process it. And well, thanks for being brave. And we pray. I just want to pray for a second if we can. Yes. Um, for all of the women who may be struggling with infertility or miscarriage. So Lord, I just lift up this episode to you. I thank you for Desiree. I thank you for her heart to share the pain and the struggles that she has gone through. And even honestly, to see her joy 
in her now that maybe wasn't there as much when she was going through this father, understandably, but to see the healing and the redemption that you've brought to her life, even though there will always be pain, even though she will always miss those little babies, Lord, that you are with her and that you love her and that you see her father. And so I lift up the women who may be struggling similarly, whether they're struggling with miscarriages or infertility or past abortion, whatever it is, Father, I just lift them to you. I pray that you'll remind them that they're not broken, that there's nothing wrong with them, that they're seen and they're loved, that you know the tears that they cry, and that you're ever present with them in times of trouble, like you say in your word. Father, I just ask that the enemy will be removed from any lies that he's speaking to their minds, and that these women will remember that while he has power, you have overcome him and you have also overcome this world, Father. And so I just, I thank you for the women listening. I thank you for their heart to learn. I thank you for their heart to grow and to know you deeper. What a blessing they are to me in my life. And I just pray whatever pain they're feeling, Lord, remove that from them and replace it with just an overwhelming peace that surpasses understanding and give them the courage to talk, to bring comfort to others, just like Desiree did with us today. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace, for your presence, for your goodness. You are such a good God and you love us and you see us. There is nothing outside of your hands and your power, Father. And so I pray that we'll just believe that today. And I just lift these women, whether they're in their car listening or they're doing laundry or with their kids today, Father, that pain doesn't pause. And so I pray that you'll be that pause for them in this moment and just remind them that you have a good plan for them. We love you and we thank you for everything. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too. So don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.myestis. Love you guys.